0: One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. All right. Well, hopefully you've turned to Genesis 12. All right. And so here's how it started. Uh, we've been talking about possessing the land, but I want to go back and talk about how did it start. How did how did God's relationship uh, with this group of people, His covenant with this group of people? How did it start? And I'm talking today about living by faith. Living by faith. And Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country. I forgot I had a mint in my mouth. Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Father, we thank you today for your word, and God, we pray that even as we have already been talking about faith, God, let faith rise in our hearts today. Lord, let your word come alive. I pray, Father, that we would. Uh, receive it with eagerness, with gladness. Father, with thanksgiving, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, You know, all of Scripture is God-breathed. All of Scripture is the Word of God. We love the Bible, all of it, even the hard parts of it. Um, but, But not every part of the Bible carries the same weight. Uh, or has the same significance, if we could say it that way. Just in the same way that your words, not all of your words carry the same uh, significance. Does that make sense? I remember uh, almost 18 years ago, Jen and I stood at an altar at a church, and we exchanged vows with one another. And I said two little words uh, that have transformed my life forever. I said these words, I do. I do. So I've said a lot of words since then. I said a lot of words before that. But, but those words have carried weight and significance in my life in the way very few other words have. And uh, when you look at the Bible, uh, this is one of the passages that actually carries this, the, uh, you know, a, a significant weight. This is actually a very, very important passage because this is God's uh, plan of redemption to Abraham. This is God enacting his plan that ultimately every single one of us would be the beneficiaries of it. In fact, the Apostle Paul says this in the New Testament in Galatians chapter 3. He says that that God foreseeing or foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles. Who's a Gentile? Not a reptile, a Gentile. (laughs) Foreseeing that he would justify the Gentiles by faith. Listen to this. Preach the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, "...in you all the nations shall be blessed." And so Paul, probably the greatest uh, orator of theology, the greatest orator of what the gospel is, uh, the, the one that we learn from probably the most in terms of how do we follow Jesus. Here Paul, speaking of this passage, says that, that God was preaching the gospel to Abraham or to Abram. Okay, And, and so uh, as followers of Jesus, how are we saved? We are saved through believing the gospel. We're saved through putting faith in the gospel. And so it's important to understand this passage because this passage really becomes the prototype for every single person that wants to live by faith. For every person that wants to be a follower of Jesus, the Apostle Paul says this, that this is the gospel that God spoke to Abram, or who became Abraham. And and here's what I want you to understand. I I want you to understand that... that, uh, In all of our spiritual life, faith is the most important thing. Faith is the most important thing. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, some of you would say, well, no, the scripture also says, now abide these, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Yes, love is the greatest, but the Bible says that, that, that faith is working through love. So there, if there is no faith, there will be no love, okay? So, so I believe faith, if I could say it this way, faith is kind of like the active agent, active ingredient in our spiritual life. H- have you ever looked at the back of your toothpaste tube? It's scary, It'll, you know, for some of us it's scary. Um, But normally, maybe on toothpaste or something else, it says active ingredient. Have you ever seen that? Active ingredient. There's a lot of other things in there. There's some things that will give you that, you know, that minty feeling, a little tingly feeling. There's some things that will make it just kind of foam, and you like that. But there's actually just one thing that is actually making it work. There's one active ingredient. And, And I would say this, that in our spiritual lives, there is one active ingredient that makes everything else work, and that is faith. That's why the scripture says without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those who come to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The Bible doesn't say it's hard to please God if you don't have faith. You you can't fully please God. It says you can't please him. It's impossible. In in fact, if if we don't have faith, Uh, nothing that we do matters to God. Nothing that we do. We can sing songs. We can can lift our hands. We can clap. We can shout. uh, But if we don't have faith, it's not pleasing to God. Uh, I don't know if you realize this, but even your prayer, if you don't have faith, the book of James says that, that If you don't have faith, you should not expect to receive anything from God because you're a double-minded man or double-minded woman, unstable in all your ways, the book of James says. And so praying, uh, some people say prayer works. No, God works, but God doesn't even just work through prayer. God works through our faith that becomes activated in prayer. Okay, so the issue is not our prayer. The issue is our faith, The same is true when it comes to the word of God. The book of Hebrews talks about those who heard the word, heard the scripture, heard the gospel, the the perfect word of God. But it did not profit them because they did not mix it with faith. You know, sometimes in an atmosphere like this, there's some people that God works on their heart. And there's, you know, they they hear the word and it transforms their life. And then there's somebody else that can hear it and it just goes in one ear and out the other. And the scripture says it doesn't profit them because they don't mix it with faith. And so everything in our life, if we want to be people that please God and if we want to be people that move into the purpose that God has for us, it all starts with faith. It all starts with faith. And so I want to look at this passage of Scripture and share with you a few things that if we're going to live by faith, if we're going to be the kind of people that God has and is calling us to be, what kind of people should we be? What does it look like to live by faith? I'm so excited about the building. I'm so excited about what God has for us ahead. But I believe more important than a, you know, bricks and mortar, I believe, is the faith that God is building. God's building our faith. It's not the building that matters. It's our faith that matters. Faith is what God is looking for. And so collectively and individually, if we want to enter into the promised land, the purpose of God, the plan that God has for our life, God, it, it, we, we have to live by faith. God is looking for faith. So I want to just pull out a few uh, things that God spoke to Abram. Forgive me if I get Abram and Abraham wrong, okay? It's Abram. He becomes Abraham later, okay? But right now, God spoke to Abram, and, and here's the first thing I want you to see that God spoke to Abram. He, notice what he says at the beginning. The Lord said to Abram, get out. Look at your neighbor and say, get out. Now, don't really get out. Just stay, stay where you're at. But God said to Abram, get out of your, from your country, from your family, and from your father's house. Now, that's the, the first thing that I want you to see uh, about living by faith is that for Abram, in order to step into faith... Before he had, um, you know, correct doctrine, he just had to have obedience and be willing to, to move. He had to be willing to get out. He had to leave his father's house. He had to leave his family. We could say it this way. He had to leave his comfort zone. Now, I want you to understand that. Uh, in the kingdom of God, comfort is not a value. I don't know if you realize that. I know oftentimes in church we want to promote, you know, we've got the most comfortable church in town. If, it, if you're comfortable, anybody have heard a worship leader say this? I've got to admit, I've said it before. If you're comfortable, raise your hands. If you're comfortable raising your hands, it's actually not worship. It should be uh, do something that makes you uncomfortable, okay, because that's actually the place of faith. And so here God says to Abram, Get out of your country, get out of your family, get out of your father's house. In other words, you can't move into the promise, the calling that I have for you, if you're not willing to get out of your comfort zone. Now, if you know this story, you know that at this point, Abram is 75 years old. Now, how many of you know there's nothing wrong with living at mom and dad's house? But if you're 75 living at mom and dad's house, here's the word of the Lord. Get out. Get out. Get out of your comfort zone. And and the same is true for us as a church, for us as followers of Jesus. If we want to move into the promise, the purpose, the good things that God has for us, we've got to be willing to leave what is comfortable in order to embrace the call that God has for us. And that requires change. Now, let me ask for a a show of hands. How many of you here, just by nature, you like change? Some of you like change by nature. That may be about 5%. Okay, 5%. So let me talk to the other 95% uh, for just a second. I have to admit, by nature, I'm not a person that likes change. I don't like change. Jen can attest this to, uh, to you. I would love it if she would just leave the furniture where it is until Jesus comes back. That painting, I don't care if I like it or not, just leave it. Just leave it there. It doesn't really matter. Just leave it. I I just like things the way they are. I remember when I was a kid, my mom said she was going to highlight her hair. I cried. I thought, if you could change your hair color, what else are you going to change? Needless to say, I didn't do well with change. And the same can can be true for every single one of us. There's a lot of people in church today that are like a 75-year-old Abram. They've been comfortable for 75 years. They've been receiving for 75 years, but they've never been pushed out of their comfort zone. They've never been pushed to, to beyond what they feel they're capable of. Brad was talking about that this morning. I feel stretched. Have you ever been to one of those stretch places? They're bad people there. (laughs) They put your leg in places it shouldn't go. But the same is true in our spiritual life. If we don't stretch at times, if we're not willing to feel uncomfortable at times, if we're not... Willing to get out of what's comfortable and easy and predictable and known will never move into what God has for us. If you don't believe me that, that most people love comfort, just go into a house and hide the TV remote sometime. <laughs> hide the TV remote in a house sometime and people, people, that, that uh, demon of comfort will begin to manifest. Okay, where is the TV remote? And here we are today, we're leaving (laughs) what is, although it has not always been comfortable and maybe it's not where we'd like to be, but there is a degree of comfort even in the season. But today God is pushing us, God is moving us. And here's why I believe, uh, why I I said, this is exciting. Because God's building our faith. God's going to bring us into better things, greater things. God's building our faith here so that when we go to where He's called us to be and there's something outside of our ability, we don't freak out. Why? Because we've learned to get out, out of our comfort zone, out of our personality even. Our personality is a wonderful thing. You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, this is my Myers-Briggs or this is my, you know, whatever it is. And that's great. God made us that way. But sometimes that can become a limitation. I'm not comfortable with that. I don't feel good with that. Well, God will never work in your comfort zone. God will never work in your comfort zone. And that's what he said to Abram. Abram, get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your family. Get out of your country. Live by faith. If we want to live by faith, we've got to get out. The second thing I want you to see is God said this to Abram. He said, Abram, get out to a land that I will show you. I will show you. Notice he had not yet shown him. Have you ever been in that place where you feel like, God, if you just showed, then I'll go. You show, I'll go. And, and God says, no, you go, I'll show. You get going. You take a step of obedience. You remember what he said to Peter? Get out. <laughs> Walk on water. And the same is true for us as people of faith. We've got to be willing to move from what is not only comfortable, but what is predictable. What is our plan and what is our program? Now, again, any of you that love ch- uh, don't love change, how many, of, how many of you love a good plan? Love a plan. I mean, a, a plan, a schedule, that's your love language. Some of you just love that. If you want to bless these people, give them a planner. And I just want to say we love you guys so, so much, and we all need you. In fact, raise your hands again. If you're those people, raise your hands. Now, if you don't have your hand up, go take one of these people out to lunch and have them lay hands on you after the service because you may need an impartation of that grace in your life to get your act together. But here's what I want you to see is God didn't say, I'm going to give you a plan or a program to follow. He said, I, I want you to follow me. I will show you. I'll show you. It wasn't, uh, Abram, here's a nice glossy brochure of the promised land. And uh, you're going to love it there. He said, get out and you're going to have to follow me. You're going to have to learn to follow my presence. Do you remember how Moses led? It was a, there was a, a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. And there was this dynamic sense of, God, where are you moving us to now? And, and again, there's nothing wrong with having a plan. There's nothing wrong with being strategic. But we can never depend on our planning to fulfill the purpose of God. Yeah. The plan can never replace the presence of God. If we've learned anything over the last three years, we should know this, that we don't, we can't plan for everything. Therefore, we have to depend on the presence of God. That's why everywhere that Abram went, the Bible says he built an altar. He built an altar. In fact, uh, later today, read the rest of this chapter, you'll see two places that Abram went to, and every place he went, he built an altar, a place of worship, so that he could welcome the presence of God. You see, worship welcomes the presence of God into our lives. Worship, that's why we're going to be having, and I'll share with you details in a little bit, we're going to be having uh, a monthly worship gathering. And what we will be doing in these upcoming months, I I know it may not be the plan, it may not be the program that you've been used to, and forgive me for that. I mean, well, it's not my fault. I have to say it. It's not my fault. Um, (laughs) Um... But what we're saying is we're just going to build an altar. We're going to build an altar. We're going to create an environment that we're just going to say, God, we need to meet with you. We need to hear from you. We need to to tune our ears to your voice. And so if you want to live by faith, you've got to learn to pursue the presence over your program, over our program. Our program has to change. But the presence of God continues to be our guide. So number one, he says, get out. Number two, he says, I will show you. Number three, listen to what he says. He says, I will make you a great nation. I love that. If you have your Bible, just circle that phrase, make you, make you. I I love that God says to Abram, I I will make you a great nation. Get out from where you're at. I'm going to make you into something. Now, here's the reality. At this time, Abram was the farthest thing from a great nation. In fact, um, he, he wasn't a nation. He, he, he had not been able to have children up until this point, and he was not a man of God. In fact, he was an idolater. And so here God shows up to establish his people, and he chooses a man. Forgive me if this sounds too um, straight to the point, but he chooses a man who is a... Uh, Impotent, immoral, idolater. If you read the rest of the passage, you see uh, Abram lying about who his wife is. (laughs) Now, I don't know about you, but if I was choosing a father of the faith, father and faith don't seem to go along with impotent, immoral, idolater. But the key phrase is, I will make you. I will make you. You see, when God chooses you, He doesn't choose you for who you are. He doesn't choose you for who you are currently. He chooses you for who He will make you. See, when God chooses a person, He doesn't ask for your resume, He gives you His. He gives you his resume. And he gave Abram his resume, God's resume. You see, Abram's resume was impotent, immoral idolater. God's resume was omnipotent, righteous, holy. It wasn't about Abram's goodness. It was about God's goodness. It wasn't about Abram's strength. It was about God's strength. And the Bible says that Abram believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. You see, God's looking for people, not that others are looking for. God doesn't look for people the same way the world looks for people. God looks for people that are actually overlooked by the world, least likely in the world's eyes. But He he looks for people that will simply have faith. They will simply believe him and say, God, you know me, I'm not good. But God, you are good. And if you say that you will make me good, God, your goodness is greater than my (laughs) non-goodness. And God, you say I'm going to be a father, you know my condition. I'm 75 years old. Look at Sarah. Thank you, Deanna. That's actually what Sarah did. Sarah laughed. Sarah laughed. But God said, I'm going to make you something. I want to say this over our church. Praise God for where we've been. But, but what, where we're going is not dependent on who we are today. Where we're going is dependent on who God will make us. Some of you may feel like I'm not a leader. Well, God is. Yeah. And he'll make you one. Some of you may feel like, I'm not a great person of faith. Well, again, it's not about who you are. It's about who God is. And the Bible says this, that it does not yet appear what we shall be, but when we see him, we shall be like him. And so if we are going to live by faith, we have to recognize that it's not about our merit. It's about his making. He's making us into something. The making process is not always easy. Can I get an amen? It's not always easy, but God's at work in our lives to produce something, to produce something. So he's making us into something. It's not about our merit. It's about his making. The fourth thing I want you to see is this. God says to Abram, get out of your country from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. Listen to this. And I will bless you. I will bless you. That word blessing, again, it's one of the most important words in the Bible. I'd encourage you, when you read the Bible, every time you see the word blessed, blessing, circle it. Because what God was doing was reinstating what had been lost in the Garden of Eden. Man's first experience, the Bible says, God made us in his image and he blessed us. I don't know what your first memory was as a child. But for Adam, his first memory, as his eyes opened, was God blessing him. I love the story of Jesus as he ascended to heaven. His final moments with the disciples. And the Bible says, as he ascended, he blessed them. I don't know quite what that looked like as he's going up. I bless you, 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 I bless you. How he rose. God was saying to Abram, What was lost, I'm restoring. What was lost in the garden, Abram, I'm going to restore to you and to your family. That's the good news of the gospel that the curse of sin has been broken off of our lives. Now, we've not arrived in the fullness of it yet, but we've begun. We've begun. We are blessed. Regardless of what's in your bank account. Regardless of how you feel in your body. Regardless of uh, what what the world says about us, we are blessed. If we're people of faith, we're blessed. Mm -hmm. But I want you to notice there's a second part to that. Abram, I will bless you. And then the second part is this. And you will be a blessing. You shall be a blessing. And then goes on to say, And in you, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I want you to know that has come true to every single one of us through Jesus. Through Jesus, every family... And in fact, let me go back and say this. That will come true. We have been blessed through Jesus. There are people still around the world that have yet to hear the good news of Jesus that, that are still living without that blessing. That's why God says, I will bless you. But that's not the end of it. You will be a blessing. See, whenever God blesses us, it's never just for us to live the blessed life although we do live the blessed life. It's always so that we can be a blessing. Now, how was Abram a blessing? Here's this man, 75 years old, no children, no significance, immoral. uh, And in the eyes of every person there, they would say, this is impossible. But I want you to notice that phrase that God says to Abram, in you. In you, what does what does God mean for Abram when He says in you? He's He's talking about the seed that Abram carried. The seed that Abram carried. And in fact, later in the book of Genesis, God says, "In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed." What was the seed that Abram had, or what is seed at all? <laughs> seed is a a. a Is a present possession that has future potential. It's it's something that you possess, but within every seed, there is the potential of something far greater than that seed. And that's what God was saying to Abram Abram, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless you by giving you a child. But it's not just about you having a child. It's about what I'm going to do through that child and through the children that come after them in order to bless the world around them. In other words, through your seed, I'm going to multiply you, Abram. See, that was God's initial intention from the very beginning. God blessed them and he said, Be fruitful, multiply, increase, and fill the earth. There's a difference between increase and multiply. It was an increase when Abram had Isaac. But after that was the multiplication. So how did Abram go from where he was to the place of multiplication? How did his seed multiply? God blessed him. Or let me say it this way. How do you move from being blessed to being a blessing? If you remember in Genesis Chapter 22, God spoke to Abram about his seed, his son, Isaac. And he said, I want you to bring Isaac up the mountain. And I want you to lay Isaac on the altar. And I want you to sacrifice your son. Now, the Bible says this, God was testing Abram. God was testing him to see if he would be obedient. Was he more concerned about just being blessed, or was he more concerned about being obedient? The Bible says that Abram took his son, took his seed up, and laid it on the altar. You see, a seed, in order for a seed to bear fruit, Jesus says it has to die. Jesus was the seed of God that produced a harvest of salvation. Isaac was Abram's seed. You see, planting a seed looks a lot like a funeral, doesn't it? Anybody ever planted a seed? Some of you have? It's kind of like a funeral, isn't it? You dig a hole and you put it in the hole. And what happens? Nothing, initially. It just looks dead. But it's out of that place that multiplication comes. It's out of that place that increase comes. Or let me say it this way. What we don't release, God can't increase. What what we don't sow, God can't grow. And today we're going to receive an offering. Our Vision Builders offering. Worship team, you can come. You can come back up. We're going to receive a Vision Builders offering. And we've shared this with you. And we've shared with you that there's a need that we have. But here's what I believe is that more than meeting a need, let me say this, this is not about meeting a need. This is not about meeting a need. I know sometimes as we talk about Vision Builders, Um, we can say, well, you know, we can think of fundraising ideas. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. If God puts that on your heart, we should absolutely do it. But ultimately, this is not about raising money. It's about God doing something in us. It's actually about us coming into the place of sacrificial obedience and a willingness to say, God, thank you that you have blessed me. But God, I don't want to just be blessed. I want to be a blessing. And and I believe this today, that even as we receive this offering, as we respond to this, this is not about the funds. This is about the faith. It's about the faith. It's about faith in our hearts saying that God... We will trust you. We will get out of our comfort zone. We'll be willing to be uncomfortable. We'll let you make us, shape us, break us, so that you can release a blessing through us. That's the way the kingdom of God works. This is a principle. The principle of multiplication is a kingdom principle. Matt referenced it earlier, the little boy with his fish and loaves. Remember that story? Jesus had been teaching. It was lunchtime and he said to his disciples, what are we going to do to feed these people? And the verse before that says he asked them testing them because he knew what he would do. I think it was John, the disciple, said, Lord, we only have two fish and five loaves but what are they among so many see he was he was running the numbers he was crunching the numbers and he went this doesn't add up but what he didn't understand is that God was in the equation God was in the equation and I believe what we are doing as a church is not about raising the money it's about putting God in the equation It's about putting God in the equation of our lives. It's about putting God in the equation of our families. It's about saying, God, thank you that you've blessed me. If I have anything, God, it's because of you. But Lord, you are my source. You are my source. Your loving kindness is better than life. So, Lord, if you're asking for this, I'll give it. And here's the miracle. As Brad said earlier and Matt said earlier, it's not about the size of the seed. It's about the faith in our hearts. Let me tell you, God's going to provide. God is going to meet our need. I am fully convinced God is going to meet our need. If if God can birth Jesus through a virgin and raise him from the dead, with God, nothing is impossible. God's going to provide everything we need. God's going to provide everything we need. But I believe God wants to involve us. God wants us to step out in faith. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to receive... Vision Builder's offering. I know some of you have already given. And I want you to know there's no pressure in this, there, there's no compulsion. This is what Paul talks about when he says, God loves a cheerful giver. Don't do it out grudgingly or a necessity. But how, how do you become a cheerful giver? What makes a cheerful giver cheerful? It's recognizing I can't outgive God. I can't outgive God. Therefore, as I sow, I'm sowing in expectation that what God will give me is greater than what I'm giving. And that may not be money, that may be joy and peace, the presence of God, unlike anything you've ever known, and like anything that money can buy. So we're going to respond today as people of faith. I want to invite you just to stand up to your feet.